Hi, my name is Megan, and I'm a trans woman. And I'm Nate, assigned male at birth and living a male life. We're going to have a conversation about what it means to live an authentic life. If you're trans, think you might be trans, or know trans people but aren't one yourself, we have something interesting to talk about. Our goal is to normalize talking about the human experience. Welcome to the Transversation. Good morning, Megan. Morning, Nate. <laughs> Recording worked perfectly the first time. Yeah, we're getting real good at it. As I understand it, you brought in a guest. I do have a guest today. I brought in a guest, Vicky of the Mindset Team, and she's also my wife. So hi, Vicky. Hi, Nate. Hi, Megan. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, obviously you said my name is Vicky, and I have learned that my pronouns are she and her, which are very different to me, but I run the Mindset Team. And the Mindset Team is a company that helps you change your mindset to be more of you. And it doesn't matter who you are, but from working with us, you don't need anybody's approval to be who you really are. And that's what we do. And you've been working since 1988, helping people be more them, be more themselves and find out who exactly it is they are and go through those periods of Mm self-discovery and be happy with it. So there seemed to be a lot of natural overlap. And it was only a matter of time before this interview happened. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, you know, having met you and learned a lot about the mindset team, you know, I was definitely really interested. And I know there's a lot of things that you have experience on that touch on LGBT lives, Mm -hmm. especially since finding yourself and finding your own identities or your, you know, you finding yourself is such a big part of, you know, when people come out of the closet or whatever. I'm really looking forward to uh, having you on, not just today, but over the course of a couple episodes, as much as you're willing to come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd love to talk, so I'd love to be here anytime. All right. Kind of naturally evolved when you and I were planning episodes, Megan, and we realized that there were a number of things that there are accessible experts to talk to you about that were a bit beyond my wheelhouse. And I would much rather have somebody who knew what they were talking about than our speculations. Yeah, I certainly don't have any formal or professional anything. (laughs) I mean, like I work at a coffee shop. So one of the things that I wanted to maybe start off with is talking about the prevalence of mental illness in the LGBT community. And of course, not everybody in the community has some degree of depression or anxiety. Or- and for the complete record, being gay or trans is not a mental illness. I think that yes. is just one of those fundamental starting points. Would you like to address that, Vicki? How- <laughs> it's definitely not a mental illness. Okay, You need to make that clear for sure. It's not an illness at all. It is who you are. It is you. It is an identity. It is a core identity is what I call it, because it truly is who you are. You have several other identities. Like, for instance, for you, Megan, you work at a coffee shop, so you're a barista, right? (laughs) I am. But that's not who you are. If you quit tomorrow, you wouldn't shrivel up because you're no longer a barista. You'd probably be really happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) okay, maybe not. I mean, I have been trying to find other employment, not just, you know, I don't plan on leaving, but I do want to make more money and buy a house. And yeah, exactly. But that's not who you are. And who you are is Megan. And so to be more who that is and to find that, it's a great feeling when you find that and when you're secure in that. I have worked with a lot of people in the LGBT 
LGBT community that wasn't sure. And they didn't want to come out of the closet because, oh, gee, their parents didn't want them to, their friends didn't know, their whatever. And that's a real shame. That's a real sadness for me. And so I want to help those people. I want to help all the people to be who they are, whether it be in the trans community or whether it not be. But the thing is, because we're all people and we're all normal. We absolutely are all people. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of us, like me, could be, you know. Anybody who's listening, uh, you know, I, I would assume. Are, right. I mean, yeah. And that's definitely, like, I know coming out, there are a lot of fears for there, people. There are. Some of them real, some of them imagined, which I'm sure you're, you know, of those folks you've worked with. Well, let's start out with the coming out. That's a really good point. And we've addressed it. But Vicki, how is it that... Even the challenges of harboring these inner ideas about coming out end up leading to uh, mental health issues and depression. Well, the thing is, is that people are afraid. They're afraid of judgment. I mean, look at what you hear in the news. And I don't want to bring up old negative stories. But the fact is, you know, years ago, centuries ago, people got stoned for being gay. And they still do in parts of the world. Yeah. And I'm sure they do. But like I said, I mean, that in itself is a scary thought. Okay. And so for somebody to step up and say, yes, I'm gay. It's like, oh my gosh, it's scary. And Megan, how many times have you shared the statistics with me of how many more times more likely you are to be killed as a trans woman than I am just walking down the street? Yeah. Murdered specifically. Yeah. The murder rate for trans women in the United States as of the last time that I looked it up, which could be a little bit outdated, is about four times. And if you are a trans woman of color, it is six times the national average. So that's that's scary. I mean, that in itself is scary. Absolutely. Okay. And some people can't handle that fear. And so instead, they squash who they are and they cover that up. And that leads to a depression or an anxiety because all of a sudden you can't be who you are. I mean, that would annihilate me. I've shared it a little bit, but I was forced out of the closet because clothes were found. And then after a while, I... She had clothes at home. Oh, yeah. A women's clothing at home that her parents discovered. That I then tried to be out for a couple weeks or something like that. And then it was really hard. So then I tried to bury everything. Exactly. And that was my second year of college. And I don't really remember that year. I bet not. And there's no reason you need to. And that's part of what I love about what I do is because we don't have to bring up that old stuff to get rid of it because your brain doesn't need to relive it. You know, for decades, they said, oh, you have to relive the trauma, but you don't. Your brain knows it. I could say one word and you would automatically go back there and then we'd get rid of it. And that's what I like about working with the brain, because our brains are 10 times or 100 times smarter than we give them credit for. Hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I like working with. But like you said, it's tough to really be who you are. You know, you came out and I'm sure you were ostracized and judged. Oh, what did happen in that time, in that that couple of weeks? I was somewhere. I don't remember where I was. I was not at home. 
but I was in town visiting my parents. It must have been one of the breaks. It might have, I think it was like spring break or something like that. It doesn't really matter. And my mom was the one who found the skirt or dress. And then she got in the car and drove away. And my dad is the one who was there. And yeah. Right. Okay, let's take that situation for a second. You remember your mom leaving you. Now, that for anybody, whether you're a two-year-old or whether you're a 42-year-old, people remember those things, and that triggers certain things in your brain to where you don't want to ever feel that way again. But the thing is, is that... But what you're saying here is that there's an emotional connection exactly between being who you are and being abandoned yes. in this particular case. So the more authentic... She would try to live her life, the more abandoned would be the natural consequence. And so it's an impossible solution. But it's not only in this situation. I think it's in a lot of the transgender community. I think it's a lot of the LGBT community everywhere because they have been abandoned by somebody who didn't see eye to eye with their beliefs and who they are. Yeah. So I think it's everybody. Yeah. I've lost friends. I've lost, I don't know if I've had many family that I've ended up losing my parents. But you still went through periods. I did go through periods. I did go through about a year, year and a half of not talking to my parents at all. My brother and I both were like, well, if they're not... Because your parents are conservative and your brother, it turns out, is gay. Yes. And uh, older brother. So had to pioneer that before you. Yeah, which I think I've told that story of. Vicky hasn't heard it yet. And for listeners who haven't heard it, I came home from my girlfriend's house At the time, it was another vacation. My brother had just gone off to college, so it was his first year, I think, and he came back to visit. And then on the very last day, apparently told my parents, hey, I'm gay. And then got in the car with his friend and drove back down to <laughs> That was um, smart of him. I, Super don't smart. To, I don't mean to laugh, but that was really smart of him. He was intelligent on that one. Side note, thank you for being a sponsor of our show. Yes, thank you. <laughs> he is a sponsor for our show. So he left. I think I got a call or a text from my parents that said, come home. And I was like, okay. There's no context to it. So I drove home and they were sitting down at the dining room table. They clearly had been crying. And I sat down and was like, oh no, did someone pass away in the family? Because my uncle had passed away. And this is pretty similar to how they told me. So they sat me down and wanted to make sure I understood everything. So, you know, I was fully expecting like, maybe Aunt Mary passed away or grandma, grandpa, somebody. And they were like, so this is going to be really hard to tell you, but your brother's gay. And I was like, is he okay? Like, is he injured? Is he, is he in the hospital? But like, no, no, no. You know, I was like, does somebody have cancer? Like, I was like, no, your brother's gay. And I was like, that's all. <laughs> and they were like, do you understand what that means? I was like, yeah, he likes guys. But everybody's okay. <laughs> and, like, and how old were you? He's four years older than me. So I would have been just going into my freshman year of high school. So 14, 15. Okay. And did you know before? Did you suspect no, it before? I, I just I, wasn't. All right. No, he told me about his tattoo, but he did not tell me about. Was it a uh, tattoo of like two sailors or something? No, or? it was a tattoo of a hammerhead shark. Okay. He likes sharks. Okay. I don't know. Does that, were your parents okay with that he likes sharks? No, I got... Uh, <laughs> well, that he likes sharks, yes. That he got a tattoo, no. Okay. Continue. I got smacked with a cardboard tube from a Christmas wrapper because he got out of the shower 
you know, had a towel around his waist, but his tattoo was on his upper left shoulder and my mom saw it. And he had showed it to me a day or two before and my mom came in and smacked me over the head with that. And was like, you knew? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) But that in itself, I mean, take that to everybody's parents. A lot of people's parents cry over that. I mean, I think it's a great thing. It's like, wow, you're gray? You're trans? Wow, that's great. You learned something about yourself. You found something out. Right. Good. You learned something about yourself. Have a good one. That's awesome. Use your knowledge. Right. That should be celebrated instead of, oh my God, I'm crying. I mean, but yet we can't judge them because they don't know any different either. So in a lot of ways, it really is about changing people's mindset and starting with who you are first. Absolutely. Even after coming out and staying out like I did, I struggled with some of the things I used to do that were a lot more masculine or like things that were stereotypically men's activities. You know, I kind of swung the pendulum, as it were, especially as I first came out. I, you know, was like, I'm going to be super femme and, you know, started to try and learn how to do, I think smoky eye was the in thing to do at the time. The makeup. And so I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And over time, as I've gotten more confident and whatever, I like, I'll wear makeup for special occasions or if I really want to look nice, but it's not something I do very often. And I used to play a game called Airsoft, which is kind of like paintball, if you've ever heard of that, Mm -hmm. except you shoot little plastic BBs instead of balls of paint. It's less messy. Oh, Um, that's really the... (laughs) But hurts more. It does hurt a little bit more. Rough. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole... It's like paintball (laughs) versus airsoft. uh, We we won't get into that one. (laughs) But I stopped doing that because, well, obviously... too masculine. Yeah, in my mind, totally wrong. Anybody can play that sport. So Uh, you've gone back to it, though. I have. So can I ask another question? Sure. Okay, so in your mind, you have... Certain things that are feminine and certain things that are masculine. At that time. At the time. Well, yeah. Okay. So there was a definite division for you in both of those. I mean. At the time. Things have definitely would have considered. Yes. Okay. I think. (laughs) Okay. And that's because you were brought up that way. Would you say? Yeah, it was a fairly conservative. Independent of culture, anybody can airsoft. However, according to stereotypical culture, a lot of times it's a more masculine sport. Yes. That's what I guess I'm getting to is because that's one of the things that we need to break that barrier. Because the fact is, is that, I mean, airsoft, it's a game. Well, if you can play, I can play. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. And let's lead this here right back to the depression part that we started touching on. Right. If you feel like you can't do it because it's a, would you say, male game or a masculine game, well, that's going to be depressing for anybody. If they can't do something because they really want to and it's supposed to be a feminine or a masculine thing. I think to clarify a little bit, it wasn't necessarily that like the action is inherently, you know, masculine or femme, but the perception that someone would have of me 
doing that would be more masculine or more femme, depending on. Exactly. And that's where I was going with it. It's because it's all a perception. And that's what we have to break down. We as people don't want to break down the role of a transgender or the role of a gay or the role of a heterosexual. What we want to do is break down all the stereotypical, as you said it earlier, and the perception. Because the fact is, is that if you were raised on a perception of certain things were masculine or certain things were feminine or somebody would perceive you that way, everybody has those things. And that's what we need to break down. And to tie it to the depression, if you are trying to be one thing really hard, but it's not easy to live up to a stereotype, it will cause this unhappiness at not being able to realize this vision. And so there you are being as feminine as you can, but depriving yourself of some of your hobbies, which is not an ideal situation. Or you can deprive yourself of your identity and keep up with your hobbies, which is not an ideal situation. (laughs) No, neither of those are good. You should be able to do what you want to do, be who you want to be. Exactly. At all times. Yeah. And those are some of the lessons that I learned the hard way. (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) it's, it's not just you. And you were lucky in that you were strong enough to have the resources enough or friends or support, whatever your network was that helped you through those times. But not everybody has that. And there are so many people right now living with this unhappiness that I can't be more myself because it's wrong or I'll be abandoned or I'll be punished or my family will cry and be more disappointed or I'll lose friends and people that use all of these negative things at being more myself. So I be less myself to try to keep these things, which is artificial and unhappy and will result in depression because it is not only depression, but also anxiety, because there's a certain amount of that feeling anxious of, okay, who am I and what am I doing? And am I going to get caught? And am I going to get caught or is somebody going to find out? And if they do, are they going to judge me? And living with that 24 hours hours a a day, day, that's scary. Very draining. Yeah. Some of the research I've done just kind of helped support that notion is that LGBT people are one and a half times more likely to develop depression and anxiety compared to the baseline population. 67% of trans people have experienced depression and 46% have thought of self-harm oh, or I'm suicide. Sure. 46, that's almost half. Yeah, I-, I know. I mean, that's just a scary number to me. And then gay and bisexual men are four times as likely to attempt suicide in their lifetime, again, compared to the baseline population. So it's a real thing that we have to deal with. The thing is, though, I don't want to blame your parents because they're your parents and they only knew what they knew. They couldn't help you or they couldn't support you. And a lot of people's parents out there don't know how to support them in anything. And so I don't want to blame your parents because they weren't bad. It's not specifically Megan's parents. It's parents of the proverbial your parents. Exactly right. And it's that parents just don't know how to do things. They were never taught. And what they were taught came back from generations before them. And so they only do what they know to do. Yeah. And like... That was something that was kind of difficult to work through, but I'm sure we did work through it. I have a much more positive relationship with my parents now, and I did certainly when we first came out and, you know, went through the rough patch until, I mean, my brother and I basically had to say, if you want a relationship with us, you have to be okay with us living the way that we are. And that was that that year or so where we 
didn't really mm-hmm. interact. But then they made that decision that, okay, we'll learn, we'll get better. And they have. Mm-hmm. To their credit, they have. But that's also a testimony to you in that your strength and your confidence and your brothers that you could stand up and do that. I am sure there's a lot of people out there that are listening that don't have your strength, don't have that confidence to say, okay, you're either going to live with this or we're going to be done. And a lot of them still want that approval from their parents. You've had clients that oh, came out and had to, go had to go back in the closet. They said, hey, I'm gay. I'm out. Here's my boyfriend and then had to undo it. Right. I don't know how as a family just all agreed to pretend that your son isn't gay, but they but they have. You've had clients that have done this. In my experience, you just don't talk about it. Uh-huh. Unless, of course, your mother is really overbearing and she tries to set you up with women. And that has happened. And you've had clients with that, too. I have. You know, it is tough out there. And I think that it can be changed. So what is the main takeaway? It is challenging. The main root of the depression in these cases and the anxiety is trying to realize multiple visions that cannot all seem to be expressed. Some of these are external demands, which cannot be met, which are against internal demands, which are not being indulged or listened to or even acknowledged in some cases. And all of these pent up conflicts then result in depression and anxiety. What are some useful solutions that somebody who's listening to this right now might be able to walk away with at the end of them? Is there hope? Yes. Oh, there's always hope. Anything can change. And take it back to the, I don't know which century, but it used to be women couldn't vote. Well, now we can't. Okay, because we persevered, you know, we did things to help change things. And I do believe that there is change and that there is hope that we're going to change in the future. You know, I certainly hope that people can live without judgment, whether it be black, white, religion, I don't care. But I'm hoping that someday, yes, that they can be. But my advice, and Megan, you would probably have more advice on this, but my advice would be to start being yourself slowly. You know, feel the waters. Okay, if you're yourself with this one friend, then maybe you could be this with another friend, or maybe you could be this with maybe your mom, or maybe not your dad, or whatever it is. Because the long-term plan is eventually that you will find an outlet. You will be able to be yourself. Right. It's going to take some time and some pain to get there. Right. Yeah. You know, as I've said a couple times on the show, as we creep ever forward to a more equal and just society, we've found that allies are more out. People are more supportive in general now than they were even when I was coming out like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so you'll be able to find, if you put those feelers out, those, you know, those little tests of like, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to find the people who will be those allies or maybe already know a couple who are already like, yeah, I'm totally cool, trans, whatever. Do you need to go shopping? Like, let me go with you. (laughs) And you'll find those people. My recommendation is always, if someone's not going to accept you, whatever, cut them out, leave a path for them to come back. If you value their friendship or their relation to you in some way, but make sure that you're the one who holds the door so that if you need to, you can shut it, but it's not sealed. Right. 
And from my point of view, I mean, I would say, come work with Mindset Team because we can help you get through it easier and faster. But at the same time, I agree with you. I think that you have to leave those doors. They may be totally shut. That, Like you said, they're not sealed yet. And I think that's a good thing. Recognizing that whatever resources you have that you might be losing for a while doesn't mean that they'll be gone forever. And people will find their ways back. I mean, there's the whole thing of found family, and it's basically the concept of like, so when, again, especially in the past, when people were kicked out of their homes and completely disowned from their their biological family or, you know, whatever, they would come into the community and then they would find people who would become their new family, like they'd become their brothers, sisters, then sometimes even people who are older and have been in the community for longer would take on a more, not necessarily parental figure, yeah. but like you have that level of like, well, this is who I go to when I have a problem of like, how do I solve this? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, someone with more experience, really. And you kind of generate and build a family out of people you found. Even if you're not feeling it now, hold on and they, you will find them. They are out there waiting for you. For me, it was the people who was like, hey, I'm moving. Or I just got kicked out of my apartment for coming out. Can I hang out in your Have couch? A room. We got space. And honestly, that's how I survived for that period. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Vicki. It was a pleasure talking with you. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was great to be here, and I look forward to next time. Yes, thank you. And we'll have links to the Mindset Team's website in the show notes below. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon, Mark, Allen, Rose, Bodil. These episodes would not be possible to create without the support of our generous patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, please follow the link in the description and sign up. Thank you.